Come on, I want to talk to Dana. Dana. Just relax. Come on. Dana. Dana. Can I talk to Dana? There is no Dana, only soul. What a lovely singing voice you must have. All right, kids, here we go. Next seminar are up August 12th through the 14th, then October 14th through the 16th. For training camps coming up, self-sufficient lifter camp on September 10th. That's in Wichita Falls. Then a deadlift and power clean camp on August 20th in Indianapolis. We do have a few spots left for several squat and deadlift camps. June 11th in San Antonio, June 11th in Omaha, Nebraska, and June 11th in Orlando, Florida. We've added a few European camps to the list. July 30th will be in London, England. And then August 21st in Norway, which I believe will be the first time. For other events coming up, the Charm City Strongwoman Contest is coming up. This is the 11th annual, put on by 5x3 Training in Baltimore. This is a charity event to raise money for the Ullman Foundation, which is a home away from home for folks undergoing cancer treatment. For more information on how you can donate or participate, head over to StarringStrength.com. Go down to Meets and click on the June 12th Baltimore link, and you can get more information there. If you're not part of the Starting Strength Network, you're really missing out. The Starting Strength Network membership gives you exclusive access to content not available to the general public. So videos, articles, conversations, a private forum, and an opportunity to interact with RIP. For more information on that, you can check out startingstrength.com. And on the right-hand side, there is a link for the Starting Strength Network. And as usual, for more information on anything that I talked about, also head over to startingstrength.com. Check out the right-hand side of the homepage. You have a great weekend. Don't get captured. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. How are you? Huh? The hell's going on? We're here for another, hopefully, productive discussion with, uh, with our friend Anthony J. Now, those of you that were listening to uh, our podcast recently with Dr. Keith Nichols uh, regarding testosterone replacement therapy, uh, Dr. J's name came up, and uh, I thought it'd be it'd be good to get a little bit deeper dive into some of the some of the topics that are very important when we start talking about the need for uh, testosterone replacement therapy. There's a lot of lot of things going on. A lot of things have been going on, and I'm kind of interested in the reasons why. TRT is necessary and why it works so well. And uh, we're here today with Dr. Anthony J. Uh, thanks for appearing with us, Anthony. Uh, appreciate your time today. Uh, Dr. J has, uh, well, I'll, I'll just let him introduce his academic background because I don't have it completely memorized and I don't want to get it wrong. You've done uh, a bunch of research work with uh, some different institutions. Tell us about your background. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah, yeah I, I got my PhD at Boston University Medical School. 
uh, researching hormones and cholesterol. And then I went to Mayo Clinic, worked there for three years. And actually between that time, I, I published a book called Estrogeneration that we're going to talk a bit about, it sounds mm -hmm. like. And so, and then recently I quit Mayo Clinic. I just do consulting now. I do genetic consulting uh, with 23andMe data. I try and help people optimize their health based on their DNA in a really specific right. way. You know, the idea like one size fits all for right. diet, for supplements. Yeah, that's, for, that's never true yeah. anywhere, is it? Exactly. And uh, <clears throat> well, uh, let's uh, let's 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 get into this. Uh, one of the questions that came up when I was talking to Doctor Nichols about this was the fact that recently four or five years ago the reference ranges for testosterone have mm -hmm. have been lowered now keith told us what what he thought about the the genesis of of a reference range so i want to i want to talk to you about that as well where do these where do these ranges actually come from and why would they have lowered yeah well, they used to do cytology studies with just cells and looking at how many vitamins these cells need and, you know, like different dose curves. And it started way back in the 1900s with some of that research. But I mean, now, it's, honestly, there's a huge influence by the pharmaceutical companies on these reference ranges. And now it's more based on average Americans. A lot of these reference ranges are based on average Americans, right. but some of them are too rare, like bilirubin or something they're pretty rare to have issues with that. So they're, they have better reference ranges, but then other things like blood sugar, where our entire culture has shifted and gotten worse and worse and worse in the past 50 years, that range has shifted. Testosterone, you said worse and worse and worse. So they've shifted that reference range. Uh, vitamin D worse and worse and worse. They've shifted that reference range. They're trying to shift the puberty reference range right now. I don't know if you saw research on that. I posted no. on Instagram recently, but there's, and I even published this, I, I wrote about this in my book because the average age for puberty keeps getting lower. And this is tied into testosterone, by the way, mm -hmm. I'm not just throwing a curveball here. Uh, like we're seeing the, uh, the average age decline in girls coming into puberty. So scientists are trying to redefine the normal range in, and it starts with scientific publications. They publish in scientific medical journals and they say, we suggest we lower the reference range. And then the, some organization picks it up, like the American Heart Association picks it up. And by the way, they're very heavily funded by these statin companies. And and then they propose that we lower the reference range for cholesterol or whatever, and then it just gets sent out and then it gets red flagged, get above 200 on your total cholesterol, right. things like that. You know, uh, I think it's probably worth stopping right now and discussing the, the role of, because if we're gonna be talking about the tests, we're going to have to consider the role of the pharmaceutical corporations in the research, quote unquote, that is published in the, quote, peer reviewed journals. Mm -hmm. uh, people do not understand how thoroughly dependent the journal publications in all of the medical journals and in lots and lots of the physiology journals and the more hard science journals, they don't understand how dependent 
that publication system is on pharmaceutical corporation funding. People mm-hmm. don't understand this. Uh, Dr. Uh, Malcolm Hetrick talks about this at length in his fabulous book called Doctoring Data. We've talked to Malcolm here on the podcast a couple of times, and uh, he he goes into this disturbing reality at length. And uh, and you, you you know a lot over the past couple of years has been made of something called quote the science unquote and if the science is the consensus of peer-reviewed journals then the science is the consensus of the pharmaceutical corporations so uh what we've got is a uh what we've got is a situation where the literature, which is, quote, the summary of the science, is uh, serves the interests of the commercial interests of the pharmaceutical corporations. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's all there is to it. You know, this is you cannot rely on the publication uh, the literature, um, and I, you know, it may have always been this way, but over the past twenty years, since statins especially were were developed, the the situation has gotten really bad. Situation has gotten really bad. We have uh, been subjected to pharmaceutical ads. I think probably on television right now, and I don't I don't watch television, so this is just a a guess when I'm in a, you know, I'm in a bar or a restaurant or something and a TV's on. It seems to me that north of half of the advert the retail advertising is for pharmaceutical products. Now, we have been systematically programmed to understand that we are supposed to be taking pharmaceutical products. You know, 75% of which apparently are produced by Pfizer. I mean, these boys at Pfizer have really pulled a lovely little stunt here over the past couple of years, haven't they? Um, oh, yeah. You know? Well, they make more money than most countries do. and Oh, far more. Yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, I wrote about this in my book, too, Mark. I, I wrote it. I dedicated a whole chapter to manipulation of data because have you ever heard of Marsha Angel, Dr. Marsha Angel? No, I haven't. It's M-A-R-C-I-A and then Angel with two L's. But she she was the chief editor for the New England Journal of Medicine for over 20 years. And she stepped down because of ethical concerns wow. from influence by pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> In other words, she she stayed there for about 10 years. <laughs> with this thing mm-hmm. stuck in her craw, didn't she? <laughs> and yeah. finally got tired of it enough to quit. Well, good for her. Good for Marcia. Maybe we need to talk to her on the podcast here, but that would be uh, uh, the New England Journal seems to have retained some semblance of a decent reputation. Uh, 
But, you know, I don't know. I think that it is it, that all of those journals, Lancet and JAMA and New England Journal, have, have all just gone down the toilet pretty rapidly over the past 20 years under the weight of the money. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just can't fight it off. You right. Know? Well, testosterone is connected to this, too, because there's plenty of research showing uh, testosterone is protective against heart disease, right? It protects yes. your arteries. It protects against inflammation, which yes. is the, the cause of all chronic disease. It protects your brain against Alzheimer's. So if testosterone is declining, then, of course, you're going to see increases in chronic disease of all types so the drug companies end up making more money so this is actually one of the big problems with testosterone <laughs> well, might general, that explain right? the lowering of the reference range might yeah, that explain that might the mm-hmm. two phenomena be related uh, you know that that's that's interesting but it's not surprising it's just interesting um the thing is so corrupted at this point the the all of the science quote unquote and, and to say the science is is almost to be funny at this point because that's not science that's professional research and they're two different things professional research and science are two completely different things and they are they are they are conflated in the media, in, in popular culture, they are conflated, and they are not the same thing. A guy with a tenured position at a, at, a, at a big school who is primarily engaged in publication is not a scientist in the old sense of the word. He's not a scientist. He's a professional researcher. He gets paid to publish things. And if he gets paid to publish things, then the money influences what he publishes. And now that's ugly to say that. But that's the truth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, they get paid to research certain topics, and they don't get paid to research. They get paid to only research certain topics that they're supposed to be researching, mm-hmm. right? Right. If you want to research something interesting you know, like stem cells or something like that, they're going to say, well, there's no drugs. Yeah, there's no funding for that. Yeah, there's no funding, so no thanks. You know, you won't get those grants. It's very, the getting the grants is very political too, by the way. Like your name is on the top of a grant. When you write a scientific grant, it's not anonymous. And so what your reputation is has an influence. And scientists say, well, that's good because you should have a reputation behind it. But in reality, in science, it shouldn't be about somebody's reputation. It should be about the science the grant proposal and what the topic is and how right. well the research study is designed but it's not it's actually more it's about politics ad, what we call ad hominem isn't it and that mm-hmm. is not uh the way things are supposed to be but that's the way they are now <clears throat> we've got as a result of this corruption of the science we've got uh, a situation where lipitor a statin drug is the number one written prescription for pharmaceutical type products all over the world. As far as I know, Lipitor is number one. Despite the fact that a 235 cholesterol number in anybody 
male, female, young, old, is is not indicative of any kind of pathology whatsoever. But they've uh, they've done a real good job of building themselves in a um, um, consumer base, haven't they? And uh, man, I I just you know you've you've just got the overwhelming commercial interests at play here are uh, they're glossed over in popular culture and nobody's asking any questions about this you know you and i can talk about this all afternoon and everybody just sits back on the couch and watches another commercial <laughs> and thinks to themselves hey maybe i ought to I need to talk to my doctor about that. <laughs> yes, let's let's talk to my doctor and see if this latest bullshit medication is right for me. So, anyway. yeah, yeah. So that having been said, all right. That well, let me connect, Mark. Collect, connect cholesterol and testosterone too, because. You know, it's relevant if people think we're just talking about completely random things here. Cholesterol is the building block for testosterone, as you know. Cholesterol so, is the building block for lots and lots and lots of things in the human body. Not just the hormones, but it's the building block for right. lots and lots of things in the human body. You have yeah. to have cholesterol. Right. Cholesterol is an important component of lots and lots of things that go on in the human body. And all of the research, and this is gonna be a shock to lots and lots of people, all of the research, every single tiny bit of the honest research that's ever been done on this shows that the greatest amount of total mortality connected to cholesterol levels occurs at the extremely low end of the scale. All of it shows that, without mm -hmm. exception. And you people have been told that cholesterol is a poison, is a systemic poison. And that is not true. And it forms the basis for your desire to eat more Lipitor. Because you've been lied to about that. Now, who have you been lied to by? The pharmaceutical companies is who you've been lied to. You hadn't been lied to by the research because the research is clear. All the numbers are clear. All the data on the mortality shit related to uh, total cholesterol levels, LDLHC, all this stuff, all shows exactly the same thing. Is that the older you get, the lower your cholesterol is, the worse it is for you in terms of your chance of dying. It's, that's not... That, that can't be argued, but you have a completely different perspective on that because of the pharmaceutical companies telling you on television while you're sitting on the couch that if you don't have the lowest possible total cholesterol, you're going to die. And it's just, it's just, it's just uh, Anthony, it's, it's amazing mm -hmm. the brazenness of these people you right. know yeah well if people want to research that too you can google uh 
total cholesterol and all cause mortality. There was a study with 12.8 million people. <laughs> Look at figure two in that study. That's Look what at figure we call two. Like a large cohort study, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, anyways, you know, it's uh, <laughs> that's it. It is interesting. It's right there for anybody with a with a telephone can find anything they want on this, and it all shows the same thing, except that the popular impression here is that low cholesterol is good. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it, it is crazy. It's crazy as hell. But it points out how effective these people can be, mm-hmm. how effective these corporations can be with their advertising. You notice all the ads look the same. You know, they've got a, a good-looking 62-year-old woman, you know, with, with extremely unobtrusive clothing and a faint smile on her face. Just a faint smile, you know, walking through her house, deciding what fun new thing she's going to do next, right? All of it's the same. Or a a nice-looking 67-year-old couple walking hand-in-hand down the trail uh, in a park with nice fall colors. And comfortable shoes and comfortable slacks and sweaters with this vague smile on their face. The vague smile is kind of the <laughs> that's kind of the hallmark of all this advertising. See, they're 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 thinking about this, aren't they? They don't want people laughing and cackling and acting like maniacs, because that obviously is disingenuous. But the faint smile. <laughs> that's, that's the deal, man. I'm telling you, they've thought about this. They have oh, yeah. focus grouped this shit to death, and it's just, man, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't argue with them. They know what they're doing. Oh, marketing is powerful. Marketing is more powerful than scientific data. Oh, for sure. far, far more powerful because <laughs> it doesn't matter what the truth is. The perception is what matters. Yeah. Everywhere, yeah. every time. That's the perception that matters. You know, right. if you perceive that the sea level is rising, it doesn't matter whether or not the sea level is rising. You perceive mm-hmm. that the sea level is rising <laughs> because you've been told over and over again that the sea level is rising. And whether it is or not is irrelevant. You know, yeah. and therefore yeah. you're all concerned about your carbon footprint and all this other shit. And you know, as a result, the state of California has outlawed uh, internal combustion vehicles by the year 2035 or some kind of insane shit like that. You know, just a perception. They have the shittiest electrical grid on the surface of the planet. But we got to have nothing but electric vehicles in California in 13 years. <laughs> <laughs> perception man it's just a perception so these guys know what they're doing so anyway all of that shit having been said let's talk about uh environmental let's talk about why i don't want to lead anybody into this let's talk about why it is that testosterone levels are dropping on the reference ranges do you mm-hmm. think that average testosterone has actually dropped or do you think that this 
data has been manipulated by these criminal organizations that manufacture drugs. Now, that would be to say that the, the manufacturers of testosterone would be in on this, too. What are your thoughts yeah. on this? This is, uh, I mean, this is, uh, you know, there's money to be made here in testosterone replacement therapy. Well, in the 1920s, they were researching BPA as a birth control. Like, we've known forever, basically, since the dawn of BPA, we've known that it acts like estrogen in people's body. BPA. Bisphenol A, plastic ingredient, yeah. And people, once they realize they can make plastic from this birth control chemical, BPA, bisphenol A, then they just focus completely on making plastic. And in the 80s, the average male's testosterone, according to the Massachusetts Aging Study, the average male's testosterone was 500. It was like 524 or something like that. It was 500. In the 90s, the average male was 400. It was like 435. It was basically 400. In the 2000s, the average male was 350. And now you see people all the time in the 250s, 200s. Mm-hmm. And then what they've done as that as that became more and more normal is they've just steadily normal normalized it. They've lowered the normal range. And by the way, I have data on our paleo ancestors that I published in my book, in that book uh, you referenced at the beginning, Esther Generation. Our paleo ancestors were walking around at like 1,000, 1,500 males. Mm-hmm. That was their average testosterone. So there's no question it's been declining. To what do you attribute that that decline? There's, yeah. I, you know, I can I can sit here and observe popular culture, and I can see that uh, things have changed. Things have become a lot more peaceful. Things have become <laughs> a lot less, a lot less antagonistic. You know, boxing is not near as popular as it used to be. You know, 200 years ago, the most popular form of public entertainment was a hanging. You know, we have changed as a as a culture. Uh, you know, things have the the peaks have been sheared off the top. And amplitude is lowered, and the whole the whole situation is just not uh, like it used to be. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah, it's it's not just one chemical; it's a combination of a dozen chemicals, more than chemicals that are acting like estrogen in our bodies. They're acting on the estrogen receptors. So they're feminizing males. Scientists use this term. They used to use this term, feminization. Um, but they have an impact on females, too. It's, you know, it's, it's problematic for men and women in terms of fertility and weight gain and sex drive and motivation and just a whole list of health issues. But it has to do with these chemicals. I mean, I think the foundation of it is these plastic chemicals, these birth control chemicals, these... Uh, fragrance chemicals, these sunscreen chemicals, some of the foods like soy, for example, rising. So it's a lot of things, but they're all acting in the same way. They're acting like estrogen. Right. Now, so we have a lot of stuff in the environment now that we didn't previously have. Uh, So I want to talk about 
where these things come from and how they specifically act as estrogen mimicking chemicals. All right, so plastics are complex combinations of, of hydrocarbons. And they're all cross-linked and they're, they're, uh, they're tough and we assume they're stable because we store things in them. And I'm assuming there are versions of plastics that are extremely stable and some versions of plastics are not at all. How do these things get into our physiology and specifically how do they mimic estrogens? Yeah, so the, I mean, each plastic is a little different, but the main problem chemicals are bisphenols and phthalates. Um, and bisphenol is a whole class, phthalates a whole class, right? There's not just one phthalate, there's polyethylene terephthalate, there's methyl phthalate, there's propyl phthalate, there's butyl phthalate, there's a huge class of these things. And same with BPA or bisphenols, there's BPA, there's BPB, there's BPC, there's a whole alphabet of BP. A common one is BPS, BPF, BPAF. You see, there's a whole class of these things. And when scientists started making plastic out of bisphenol, they said exactly what you said. They, oh, they cross-link them. And so, therefore, they're all linked together. So they can't leach. The scientists right. assured everybody these things don't leach into your water. And they didn't really study it. They just said that's what that happens. Well, now, and then, of course, now that we've been researching it, it's pretty obvious that they leach. I mean, well, let me, let me ask you a question. A basic question where is if bisphenol is the substrate for these plastics where is bisphenol obtained um from petroleum so it is a it's a simply obtained knockoff of petrochemicals it's a commonly available petrochemical it's cheap oh yeah oh yeah yeah but the problem is right they're not they are not all cross-linked. You're always going to have some free bisphenol molecules in plastic right. resins. So when you put liquid in there, they leach out. And if you heat it up, they leach out even faster, so they get sure. more leaching. So do you do but, you have a uh, an idea of how how does a bisphenol, as it leaches into uh, the thing you're drinking out of your plastic water bottle, how does that mimic estrogen? What is the, yeah. what's the, the structure of this thing? Yeah. Does it look like a cholesterol yeah. molecule or is it very, very close to a cholesterol molecule or what? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It looks just like an estrogen molecule. Yeah. And the estrogen, estrogen is complicated because as you know, testosterone is simple, right? It's just testosterone binds the androgen receptor and you get a response. There's, it's not a lot of complication. Estrogen, there's actually three different estrogens. There's estrone, there's estriol, there's estradiol. So there's three different estrogens naturally in our bodies. Mm -hmm. There's actually a couple, but those are the main three. And then there's two receptors that pick up estrogen. So again, testosterone easy. It's just testosterone, testosterone receptor. It's called the androgen receptor. Estrogen, there's three different estrogens, but then there's two separate receptors. One's called estrogen receptor alpha, and the other one's called estrogen receptor beta. And scientists call these receptors promiscuous, right? Because they bind all kinds of stuff. They stick to stuff. They're not... They're not very specific to one partner. Mm -hmm. they, they're promiscuous, right? That's a right. scientific term that they use for receptors that bind to right. a lot of different things. So in other so words, estrogen, estrogen receptors have a lot more opportunity to be compromised than testosterone yeah, receptors. 
right? Exactly. They have a lot more opportunity to buy different partners. So when you put in these molecules that are kind of similar to estrogen, that are artificial, that are man-made, that our bodies have never seen, they're not, nothing our ancestors have ever been exposed to, they're more than happy to stick to the estrogen receptor, block the testosterone receptor, uh, you know, block the estrogen receptor. Sometimes they block it, sometimes they stick to it and hyperactivate it. It just causes all kinds of homework. And then your body makes more estrogen to try and compensate from the blocking. Mm. Or you make less testosterone because your body thinks you have estrogen around. It's a really complicated right. system. And they all act a little bit differently. And like I say, it's not just one molecule. Like these phthalates are a huge ca category of molecules. There's 50, 60, 70. And of course, scientists have barely researched any of them. But the fact is, when they do finally research them, you find that they act like estrogen in a whole host of different ways, right? Right. And it's usually on the alpha receptor, the estrogen receptor alpha, which is the bad one. That's the one that causes the depression. It causes like postpartum depression. It causes the weight gain. It causes infertility. It causes a lot of issues, breast cancer. That's why breast cancer is up 250% since 1980. What normally down-regulates the alpha receptor then? Uh, normally, you're not even supposed to make alpha receptors when you're an adult. There, estrogen, so there's two receptors, alpha and beta. Alpha is basically supposed to be involved in sexual differentiation in the womb. Mm. So when you're, when you're in the womb developing, that's when you're supposed to have alpha active. And if you're going to have any for women, and then late, it's supposed to be shut off for most of the rest of your life. And the only estrogen receptor that's supposed to be activated is beta, mm -hmm. estrogen receptor beta, which by the way, beta is protective against breast cancer. It's protective against prostate cancer. It's actually beneficial for you to have beta activation for your estrogen receptor beta. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and the problem is with all these estrogen chemicals, we're activating the alpha receptor. And this is the discussion with soy, by the way, too. Soy gets into this argument about beta and alpha because a lot of people try and argue that it activates the beta receptor, these vegans. But if you look at the data, it's a 50-50. It activates both receptors. And so some people respond okay with soy, and then other people, it's like a massive estrogen surge. And so, you know, that's a good example of an, of an actual real-life argument that scientists have relating to these estrogen receptor differences. So uh, if you turn on the alpha receptors that are yep. theoretically in adults rather dormant then exactly. you're going to see a whole bunch of unexpected pathology essentially yep. uh, as a result of that the theory is that the the estrogen mimicking chemicals in the environment turn on the alpha receptors and correct in in interesting and unexpected ways sometimes yeah sometimes it's just a switch you just flip it on sometimes it's interesting unexpected <laughs> right. so uh well that's that's interesting um and these things are present in the environment as what do you think the primary source of these things is is it is it consumer related plastic items that we are exposed to or is it something else yeah, it's personal care products and drinking water. Those are the two big hitters. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It's in the air quality. It's it's all over the place. Like these masks, you know, there, there was a study recently where they showed like 90% of people have microplastics in their lungs now because everybody's wearing these stupid masks. And <laughs> Good. Good. <Yeah. laughs> Fine with me. 
have microplastics in your lungs, you stupid bastards. God almighty. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> Die. Yeah. God almighty. You wanna if no. you wanna cull the useless God. fraction of the population, just kill everybody that was wearing a mask. Anybody shows up to your business in the parking lot by themselves in the car wearing a mask, kill them. <laughs> kill them. You are doing the gene pool a favor when you do this. That may sound harsh, but, you know, I've been yeah. getting a little more harsh the past couple of years than I used to be. Uh, so, uh, but personal care and water. I mean, that's the main Bottled source, water. Right? Isn't that an interesting phenomenon? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they make backpacks now. All backpacks have got a little little place for you to put a 20-ounce bottle of water on your backpack. You know, I was always under the impression that when I got thirsty, I would go to the sink and I would get a glass and I'd fill it up with water and I would drink it. And then if I was still thirsty, I would do it again. And if I was still thirsty, I would do it again. And then when I got not thirsty, I was fine for two or four hours. But now, everybody has a sip of water. Sips, (laughs) frequent sips of water are the norm now. And it's just, you know, I mean, you talk about uh, the marketing people having you right where they want you. You have had your thirst mechanism short-circuited. And as a result of that, you're being exposed to a bunch of plastic that you previously were not exposed to. You know, this is just stupid. And it, it you know, it just what you're saying is that we have been, you know, led by the TT right toward all of this estrogen stuff, because if it's if, if plastic exposure is is the source of all of these things, you if, if, how many people do not drink bottled water? Do you have any information on that? I mean, no, but it's it's rare. I mean, I'm one of the few, right? At the airport, I bring a stainless steel bottle. I fill it up after I get through security with those filtration systems that they have now in the airports mm-hmm. and i'm one of the few <laughs> but they're getting it's growing it's growing a lot of people have been waking up i think to the fact that they need to basically pay attention to their own health because the government's not really helping them the government's in bed right. with these farm companies and that's what it comes down to you have to educate yourself on these matters sure, and sure. It, people are people would stuff. rather not have that responsibility wouldn't they some people yeah, lots of people. <laughs> lots yet. of people. That's the problem with the public school system, right? Oh, that's the I mean, point not... of the public school system, Anthony. That's the point yeah. of the pub of the government school system. Oh, Let's I, just I, call I it what it is. It's not the public schools, it's the government schools, and that's the point of it. And it always has been the point. And it's rather uh obvious now, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Things are just so fucking crazy these days. It's it's hard to believe what these people are trying to get done. And we'll have a separate show on that one of these days. But <laughs> you've got a uh, you've got a population 
that has uh, been taught that they are to believe everything they're told. From the and they do. Yeah. And they do. Oh, yeah. They immediately just slap it up. Yeah, you need to take a bottle of water with you. And about every five minutes, you need to take a little drink out of your little plastic bottle of water and then put it mm -hmm. back down. Instead of just drinking the whole damn thing right, right now well, and not be thirsty anymore, you're... <laughs> Oh, yeah. So well, the strange. marketing is just as strong. The marketing is just as overwhelming on the fragrances. Like you gotta, you gotta smell good in your armpits. You gotta smell good here. You gotta smell good there. Isn't it weird? You know, all these fragrances. People are rubbing on their skin, and even in your hair. I mean, you're absorbing this stuff through your skin. These chemicals yeah. absorb. Uh, oh, I know. I I use uh, Kirk's yeah. Coco Castile soap, the unscented version. I always have. I've I've used that exactly. shit for thirty years. I don't no, understand why you would want to smell like your bar of soap. That doesn't make any sense to me. Your soap stinks, all right? Mm -hmm. But you've got fragrances all over you, and I, I don't understand it. Uh, but, it, you know, there's a lot of things I don't understand that people do. Uh, you, you've got, uh, you know, you got all of that stuff, and you've got – now, here's another interesting thing. Uh in terms of environmental estrogens, how big a role do you think uh, things like Premarin prescriptions for women play in mm -hmm. environmental estrogens? Is there is oh, that know. something to be worried about? Yeah. Yeah, I wrote a lot about it in my book. There's a lot of research, especially it's something to be worried about if you live in a population dense area. If you live in the middle of no nowhere in Iowa or something. I'm more worried about filtering your drinking water because of the atrazine, which is the second most used herbicide in North America. Mm -hmm. Atrazine acts like estrogen. Atrazine, Mark, let me just sidetrack for a second, tell you a research study on atrazine that they did. Um, they had two groups of rats, right? Exactly the same calorie numbers, exactly the same everything, two separate groups. One of them, they gave low dose atrazine and that group got fat. And the other group, they gave them just normal drinking water, and that group is fine. So even with the calorie counting, you know, if you want to screw up your hormones and gain a bunch of weight, mm -hmm. throw in low dose. And I emphasize low dose because people are exposed to doses that are equivalent to what they gave the rats. They right. didn't give them some obscene dose. Right. They didn't try to poison them with atrazine. Yeah. And atrazine also is at like 200 nanograms per deciliter. It turns a male frog into a female. 200. And it, legally in, in our drinking water, 3,000 is allowed. 3,000 nanograms per deciliter is allowed. Wow. So, well, I catch my drinking water happens. off my roof out at my house. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm, yeah. In fact, right this minute, I'm catching drinking water off my roof. It's raining here. Like First time oh, in yeah. several years it's raining. So... Uh, <laughs> So no, well, I, I'm with you on that. I've got uh, you know high qu higher quality water than anybody I know does. Although our right. you know our little water our municipal water system here in Wichita Falls is not terrible. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things wrong with Wichita Falls, but the municipal drinking water is not one of them. Uh, yeah, you know. Well, the birth control. The problem is they don't filter. Wait, where's Wichita Falls? Like Kansas or? No, we're in North Texas. We are about two hours oh, yeah. northwest of Dallas, right, right south yeah. of Oklahoma. Right south gotcha. of the Red River. So we're right in the middle of. We're right at the bottom of the Southern Plains. 
is uh, I gotcha. in, in terms of a, a geographic region, we're at the bottom of the, the south end of the southern plains. And yeah. uh, I was uh, just turkey hunting out there a few months, like a month ago. Where'd you go? Um, Fort Supply. Do you know where that is? Fort Supply is in Oklahoma, right? Yeah, I was in Oklahoma, but right up, right up on the Texas border. Yeah, that's up, uh, right on the, like right up in the Panhandle. Up in the Panhandle, mm-hmm. I bet. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, up we're, in there. we're south of there, uh, about three hours probably. Okay. Uh, we're yeah. on Highway 287, coming out of, coming between Fort Worth and Amarillo. So, uh, okay. but yeah, there's the you know we got we got turkeys around here too. We've got. Uh, Mm-hmm. got a bad feral hog problem around here real real wow. bad feral hog problem. you might want to come down to help us with that <laughs> yeah. i used to, in college i used to get paid to shoot wild pigs in florida uh, the, the founder of domino's pizza he started a new town in florida it's called ave maria yeah and he hired me to shoot hogs for this new town when he was developing and he Just gave me 50 bucks of damn things or feed everybody <laughs> yeah yeah they're great it's pretty good pork you know if you shoot them little enough yeah but anyways yeah the birth control like you're saying it's the problem with municipal water supply water filtration is they're great at killing bacteria they're great at killing viruses filtering that stuff out but they're mm-hmm. terrible at filtering out hormones and these micromolecules that act like hormones right um, so I'm, yeah activated charcoal gets rid of all that if you have an activated charcoal filter of some sort it removes all those fake estrogens. So most filters have activated charcoal. That would be in your personal house, though, right? Are there any yeah. municipal systems that use that level of filtration? I doubt there are. Because it no. just would be impractical to, to provide that kind of filtration. Yeah. At, Correct. At rates that are high enough to supply a municipal system. Mm-hmm. Because one of the problems with filtration is it slows things down. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, uh, now let me ask you this. Do you, do you think, see, here's the, here's the, the problem I've always had with considering that, uh, hormones from females dumped into the sewage system mm-hmm. end up back in the drinking water is just the, the problem I would have with just dilution in general. Like, if you take a pregnant mare and have her piss in Lake Superior, <laughs> you know, you you haven't really got a problem Correct. because of dilution. Yeah. But you're well, saying that that's not the case with, uh, with, with this question in particular, right? Well, yeah, because it depends where you live, right? Like in Florida, for example, they live at sea level. So a lot of the water that they use goes right back into filtration and pumped right back into the into the supply. So mm-hmm. it's more prone to having hormone rich enrichment, meaning like women are peeing in the toilet, taking birth control, peeing out a lot of birth control chemicals, and then it's going right back in, and it's getting concentrated more and more because it's not coming out. And now yeah. you're drinking it, Mark, and then you're the, pissing it out because the water yeah. cycle is much shorter in a situation like that yeah. than it would be somewhere else. Correct. Right. Yep. Yeah. Do uh, estrogen mimicking chemicals, I mean, everything's got a half-life. What is the degradation period of these things? It's long. It's super long. It's, it's different, and I write about it in my book, but 
like for example atrazine it's specifically designed to have a crazy long shelf life like 10 years you know because mm -hmm. they don't want that stuff degrading when they're trying to sell it to farmers and birth sure. control is the same it's basically a plastic molecule right it's made from petroleum it's designed to last a super long time you're, it's designed so that your body doesn't break it down because if your body's breaking it down then you have a less effectiveness right it's mm -hmm. like these anabolic steroids that are de designed not to be broken down by the liver right. same sort of thing. right so it depends it differs a lot because there's so many different chemicals but most of them are intentionally designed to survive and last a long time even in the sunshine like these sunscreen chemicals like oxybenzone i i encourage everybody go in your closet look on your sunscreen if it says oxybenzone throw it out that stuff is complete garbage for your body it acts like estrogen uh and it, they've even done studies where where they show one application of oxybenzone sunscreen just one application seven days later it's still in your blood above the government's own safety limits and as you can imagine the government's safety limits are, yeah well, government safety to, limits. everybody Make a note of that. Look for your oxybenzone. Now, I tell you what, I make my own sunscreen. Yeah. And what I and it's it's cheap. It works yeah. like a house on fire, and it it is it's extremely effective as a sun blocker. And what I do is I I make a tincture of PABA, paraminobenzoic acid, the vitamin, mm -hmm. and you take oh 20 25 or 30 500 milligram PABA tablets grind them up and uh, dissolve them in isopropyl alcohol so you have a tincture of PABA and then you let the binders settle to the to the bottom you pull the liquid off put it in a, put it in a bottle <laughs> almost said a plastic bottle and uh what you what you then do is just you know put it on your face on your bald head oh, yeah. and it 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 is a terribly effects of 50 level sunscreen yeah and I, they oh, yeah. used to sell this now i don't know what happened to it but 30 years ago you could buy peba alcohol mm -hmm. sunscreen i like the alcohol because it doesn't clog your pores up like an like an oil based or a lanolin based sunscreen does mm -hmm. uh it lasts for a very long time right and uh, it's, cheap. it's cheaper to go with these plastic these petroleum based ingredients like oxybenzone and you know like the reason i brought up oxybenzone is because the shelf life right it's specifically designed to last forever in the sunshine that's the new car smell you know when you go in that right. new car and it smells really plasticky and people yeah think that's like men are attracted to that smell right it's an estrogen well, they're attracted like to it because they yeah. just paid seventy five thousand dollars for the car <laughs> and they've got to think it's good it twists their brain a little bit it smells like estrogen well but but the point is, right, like that smell is oxybenzone. That's the new car smell. So open your windows and kind of flush out that gas that's in that car that's been building up in the heat when you have that new car. But, I mean, it's it, these chemicals last ages, you know. Sometimes 100 years is not unreasonable for some of these chemicals. So, yeah. The only <laughs> good chemical I can think of um, that has an extremely long half-life is chloridane hmm. the yep. insecticide chloridane yep. 
Yeah. If you put chloridane around the basement of your house, your house mm-hmm. will never have termites ever because the half-life of chloridane is something like 50,000 years but it's too persistent so they you know had to get rid of that so that we could build new houses more frequently i suppose (laughs) they still sell it in mexico you know you still buy chloridane in mexico isn't that cool (laughs) any of you guys go to mexico bring me some chloridane back and i'll buy it from well this stuff this bioaccumulates too you know a lot of people don't talk about accumulation because Mm -hmm. Researchers are oftentimes just looking at kill curves. They're just saying, how much can we put on these cells? And then how quickly do the cells die? Right. LD50 right? kind of research. Yeah, they say this is the toxic dose. And this is how much humans can be exposed to. And, of course, they totally ignore your hormones being disrupted because you're not dying with these chemicals. You're just disrupting your hormones. And they think that's okay. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the problem is if you're adding a whole bunch of different chemicals to your system, that's adding a bigger chemical load, but also they store up in your fat cells. It's called bioaccumulation. And your fat cells, can the average lifespan of a fat cell is a year and a half. They've studied this with people that are exposed to the atomic bombs, and they find even fat cells sometimes can live in your body 10 years. So you can store these chemicals in your system a super long time. So it's less about the chemical half-life, and it's more about the physiological half-life of just sitting in your fat cells oh, and activating. Site, right. Yeah, I guess that has something, to, probably has some bearing on THC too, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I wrote about THC in my that, book just comparing it to that. That shit is, <laughs> is uh, probably more persistent than we think it is. All right, well, here's a terribly important question, Anthony. How does an increase in estrogen, estrogen level, all three of the estrogens has an increase in the estrogens drop testosterone or does it oh it does for sure how it's not it's not fully understood i mean there's definitely a feedback mechanism where those those uh those hormones can you know communicate but it's not understood well in other words if you've got aromatization of testosterone into estrogen exactly and you've got high estrogen levels then the tropic hormone system might well interpret high levels of estrogen as equating to high levels of aromatization of the substrate testosterone and down regulate testosterone is that kind of the thinking on this at this point that's exactly what happens Practically speaking, yeah. But exactly how it communicates that, I don't think is understood because it's not. There's no money involved, right? You're not going to make money oh, understanding no. that. Of course not. Pfizer isn't in that yet. Yeah, so they haven't really dug into you it. Know, what would what would happen if Pfizer became enamored of the test of the TRT market? You know, good things might happen, huh? Oh yeah. You, you think? Oh, the cost would triple. Nick said cost would triple. <laughs> That's obviously true. I know I think about it. There's not any point in, you know, getting involved in testosterone sipionate because it's cheap. But you can't patent it, right? It's can't you can't patent, patent natural hormones, right? So well, they're not going to get patent involved. the testosterone salt, the, the 
cyprianic acid salt of, mm-hmm. of, of testosterone because it's, you know, that's like patenting O2. Well, they did, they tried to patent, you know, thyroid replacement therapy. You know, they make these fake versions of thyroid hormones like, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, levothyroxine or whatever, the, mm-hmm. the tricyant or whatever they call these different ones, mm-hmm. um, like fake versions of T4. And then they try and the, they've got the doctors like just super strong sales sales pitches all tied in you know with these Mm -hmm. fake versions of thyroid hormones and instead of just using natural thyroid hormones when you need thyroid replacement and a lot of people have issues with those those fake synthroids right synthetic thyroid synthroid i mean it's even in the name it's called so you you prefer armor thyroid desiccated thyroid gland oh for sure yeah exactly but i mean or NP thyroid, something like that, some natural version of thyroid mm-hmm. hormone. But the point is, it's a real analogous. If they can make some fake version of testosterone and, and try and market it as if it's better, mm-hmm. they probably would. But the real stuff is just going to work better than the fake stuff generally, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of side effects. And right. As long as you're not overdoing the it. Advantage of the synthetic is it'd be cheaper. Well, Although we kill a hell of a lot of pigs, you know. Yeah, well, they harvest a <laughs> hell of a lot of porcine thyroids uh, across the uh, industry. Pork is the only meat right now in the grocery store that has not just quadrupled in price for some reason. I think that pork industry is, well, there's no such thing as a mom and pop pig farm anymore. Pig farms are all big, you know, 20,000 square foot installations, and that stuff is... Uh, it's a it's a it's a terrible, awful, awful industry. It really is. But those guys that make pork, they know how to turn feed into muscle mass. They know how to do that, and uh, they are very very good at at making pork meat out of out of pork feed and pork DNA. It's a, it's an amazing deal, you know. It's a those poor animals live their entire lives in concrete cells, right? And it's 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 horrible, it's horrible, but it feeds mm-hmm. a hell of a bunch of people, a hell of a bunch of people, it, and we don't have any idea over here how important the pork industry is in Asia. It's a it's a terribly critical piece of the of the the feeding people equation over there. Sure. And uh, anyway, the problem with testosterone replacement therapy is that as as we talked to Keith about this, if you go into your GP. And he and you say, you know, Doc, I've been reading up on this, and I kind of think my testosterone's low. Uh, I'd like to get a testosterone prescription from you, and uh, or just a blood it, test. Yeah, well, just tr- just start with a blood test, and they won't even check your blood half the time. Just, yeah, just they they all want to do a blood test. Yeah, and it's low. Yeah, and you come back at two fifty, and they say, well, you know, the reference range. 
You know, you're kind of on the low end of it, but you're in the middle of the reference range. So you're normal. Mm-hmm. That's what they say. You're you're yeah. at 225, but the bottom of the reference range now is like 195 or some insane. <laughs> I know, know. It's, it's insane. It's like, yeah. like nuns have 195, right? <laughs> Old nuns have have 195 yeah. testosterone. But you're, you know, you're 225. So those words, you're normal, says right here, says here on this test that you're normal. And you say, but doc, I didn't come down here because I'm normal. I come down here because I'm symptomatic as hell for hypogonadism. And I'm asking you to let me try some testosterone. Well, but, you know, it says right here you're normal. You know, this is yep. this is the situation that we get into when we promote people with 120 IQ to the role of doctor. They're trainable, but they're not they're not teachable. You know, you're not normal. What does that even mean? What does it mean that you're normal? That numbers you're within a set of numbers but you can't keep it up you don't care about keeping it up you're depressed all the time you cry when a love song comes on the radio you know you feel like shit all of the standard markers for low testosterone and the guy tells you you're normal Mm -hmm. he's not listening to you but medicine has been reduced to this. Why do you need to go to medical school to understand a reference range? If we're prescribing ref- medications based on reference ranges now, mm-hmm. this is why everybody's on Lipitor. And wouldn't it be neat if we could lower the reference range to total cholesterol down to 185? Wouldn't that be good? I mean, no, they have. I, I no. mean, that's what they want to do. Right. That is what they want to do. They're try- It's as though, goddamn, Anthony, it's as though they're trying to kill us. And no. if they don't want us dead outright, they want us to be so fucking miserable that we'll commit suicide. You know? Well, they want lifelong customers. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They yeah. want people that aren't necessarily dead, but... <laughs> really dependent on their 10 12 prescription drugs that they take every day i mean that's really the goal oh yeah oh yeah we've got an old guy we in my band that's taking 11 prescription medications every day mm-hmm. you know well, I, i'm tired of talking to him about it mm-hmm. you know just you know well the doctor the doctor prescribed him i know <laughs> you know the doctor well, prescribed him yeah, I think I feel like a lot of people are waking up to that doctor knows best mentality. Well, because... I hope so, but I don't see that happening. You know, I mean, you've got these people; they're sitting on the couch, and they're they're most of the shit that's not in the actual hilarious situation comedy they're watching is an advertisement that ends with "Ask your doctor." 
if blah, blah, blah is in is right for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You've got the people on television telling you to ask your doctor. You know, the doctor that our pharmacy rep took the lunch the other day, you know, or bought lunch for the office, that doctor, you know, whether, yeah. you know, blah, blah, is in is right for you. You know, well, you, you, you know, normal people hear that over and over and over. And what do they learn to do? I don't see that this is, this is such a terrible fucking situation. I mean, if you haven't looked at everybody's collective behavior over the past couple of years and decided that this is a terrible ass situation where people have just been taught not to think for themselves. And the result of that has been a disaster. The extent of which we still don't understand. It's been a fucking disaster. Because everybody just did as they were told. And when it didn't make the slightest bit of sense at any level. But they did it anyway because they were told to do it by people they regarded as authoritative. It's just, oh, it's just, it's just nauseating, just nauseating. So anyway, enough of that. What do you, what do you think about, so we've got estrogen mimicking chemicals in the, in the, in the environment, and this is bad, right? For the reasons we just detailed. What about, uh, androgen pollution in the environment as well if we've got estrogen in estrogens in the environment we're bound to have androgens in the environment androgen mimicking chemicals is this a problem no no the androgen receptor is very specific so even if you have molecules that are sort of similar but not exactly the same they don't really bind to the receptor that's the first thing the, the bigger problem, honestly, are these estrogen receptors, these estrogenic chemicals like the, like the BPA it actually androgenizes women. It makes women more masculine and makes males more feminine. So it kind of just neutralizes people. And you can look at the research on this. Mm -hmm. it's, it's strange. It's not fully understood, but, you know, it, it's screwing up their hormones and then it's causing just kind of general gender neutral type uh, physiology. Um, right. But the but the androgens. I mean, if if everybody, you know how like millions of women are taking birth control. If yeah. millions of men were taking testosterone and pissing it out into the water supply, maybe it'd be a concern. But there's so few people doing it that the right. levels are so low, you can't even detect them in the drinking water. And again, I recommend people just filter their drinking water anyways, and right. they don't have to worry about it. So, it it just quantitatively, it's not a problem at this point. Correct. Is it theoretically possible that it could be a qualitative problem at some point? Oh, sure. Or is it is it is it uh, is it enough? Are there enough differences in the receptor side activity of the two hormones that that androgen stuff is not going to be a problem? I think that's the case. I don't think it's ever going to be a problem because of the specificity of the testosterone receptor. Right. And the promiscuity of the estrogen receptor. Right. Well, that's a that's a good point. 
that's a good point. I'm glad we we talked about that because, uh, I mean, that does come up occasionally in discussion. Uh, well, the other thing that comes up that I feel like I should add here is, you know, just thinking about these two receptors that estrogen has and soy, the topic of soy. A lot of people will say, well, soy is okay. I've looked at the research. And it's like, well, yeah, if you give somebody soy for six weeks, they're not going to grow man boobs if they already have man boobs because they've been exposed to plastic for the last 20 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they say, look, it doesn't cause gyno. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, because everybody's walking around with gyno. And the research that they do <laughs> on these people with soy is, that's true, right? I mean, look around. Everybody's walking around with gyno these days. It's <laughs> well, on the that, increase. You know, that's a good point. You see that a lot, don't you? <laughs> Well, and, and think about how saturated people are with all these plastic chemicals and all these fragrance chemicals. And you throw a little soy in the mix and you think that's going to suddenly cause some dramatic difference in their estrogenicity. They're already fully estrogen dominant. They're already yeah. full of these estrogen chemicals. And, so and as you're your, washing it. And your soy sauce is really just, you know, really, that's just a flavoring agent. <laughs> it's not a, it's yeah. not a hormonal consideration. <laughs> Considering the entire environment that we're dealing with. <laughs> exactly because when they try and find stuff they've done studies with like natives in alaska on some of these plastic chemicals because those are the only people that they can find that don't have like their bodies just completely saturated with mm -hmm. these plastic chemicals because it's hard to determine you know what happens if you if you have this level of plastic chemicals or soy chemicals or whatever because again we're so saturated with all these things you can't find a control group right yeah that's a good point that is a good point. Uh, if the fucking things are ubiquitous, it's hard to do a study. Yeah. You know? They did, they did a study in northern Alaska on 11 polar bears. Put them to sleep, took a bunch of tissues. Every single one of them had parabens, which are fragrance chemicals that act like estrogen. Every single one of them had phthalates. You know, they're full of these chemicals in northern Alaska in the wilderness because it works up the food chain, right? It works up. Right. We're washing down our sink. They're going into circulation in the oceans around the globe. Fish are picking up. The seals are picking them up. The polar bears are picking them up and causing infertility, by the way. And then they blame it on global warming. Well, yeah, because global warming is, you know, <laughs> you, know you know about that. So, uh, well, this is uh, this is interesting. This is very interesting. This has an enormous bearing on our previous discussions of testosterone replacement therapy. So, I want everybody to be thinking in these terms. And and just as a as a kind of a final note here, what do you recommend that we do? Yeah, Guys well, need to be on TRT. You know, if you're over the age of 40 and you're not at least thinking in this direction, I think you need to reconsider. But what else can we do? Yeah, well, get rid of your fragrances. If you're not sure if the chemicals are safe and you can't pronounce the names of them, just get rid of the fragrances. Why do you need to so smell like the sexual organs of a plant? <laughs> anyway, let me ask you this question, guys. What the hell are you wearing? What is aftershave for? Do you really think that smells good? It pisses everybody else off, you know. Now, we used to have a guy on the staff of the goddamn seminars that would show up smelling like some sort of a bizarre barber shop. And uh, it just pisses everybody off. Just quit telling yourself it smells good. It's It smells like 
an expensive bathroom in Manhattan. That's what it smells like. It doesn't smell good to anybody but you. You know, so don't wear shit that makes you smell different. You're supposed to, you're not supposed to do that anyway. Right. Right. So well, exactly. And then filter your drinking water. I mean, in my book, I list a whole slew of different things, you know, like from coffee, heating your coffee up in plastics and all kinds of other things. Well, your website has got a real good little list of things on it, too, that mm-hmm. that yeah. things that you use and things that you recommend that people do not use. Uh, yep. That yep. website is uh, is called. Let me see if I can remember that right now because I'm not looking at it. It's uh, Anthony J. J A Y Consulting Company dot com. Is that right? Pretty pretty damn close. It was. I just call it AJ Consulting Company. AJ Consulting Company. AJ Consulting Company dot com. And there's yeah. there's some useful stuff on that. You guys need to need to visit that. He's got a big long list of things. And yeah. uh, I, when I looked at this, I was surprised that that he and I are on pretty much the same page uh, on all of this stuff. Not for the same reasons, but I just my tastes run in the same in in the directions of uh, you know simplicity instead of complexity. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the other thing, the final thing I would say is use the sauna or sweat. Make sure you're sweating at least three times a week because if you don't sweat, your body, you can't get rid of some of these chemicals. They've done these studies. They're called bus studies, blood, urine, and sweat, B-U-S. Mm-hmm. And people urinate out some of these chemicals, but you sweat out a lot more. If you put people in a really? sauna and they measure their sweat, there's a ton of these chemicals coming so out. So sweating is a more effective excretory device than... than yep. uh, taking a piss that's interesting uh you know why don't they have a why why doesn't somebody start a sauna franchise right where you can where you can go take a sweat do they hot well because then then these politicians would shut it down right (laughs) we do where here in wichita falls there's a sauna franchise I didn't know that. That's fascinating. So there's apparently a sauna franchise here. Uh, Somebody opened a a franchise location of a sauna thing here in Wichita Falls. And I did not know that. How much does it cost, you know? Too much, probably. (laughs) Buy a sauna. I had one in the old gym, you know. I had a sauna in the old gym, but it was electric. And it was hideously expensive to operate, and mm-hmm. I took it out and uh, mm-hmm. made a massage room out of it. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a neat little sauna, but it was prohibitively expensive. Well, I give these people a try, baby. Huh? But I hadn't. I've been sweating quite a bit recently, anyway, because you know it's been 108 here and shit, so. Yeah, I kind of don't like to sweat, but I guess it probably is good for me. So every time you fill up your gas tank, you sweat nowadays. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's from the panic attack. You know, <laughs> it's just from the psychological stress and shit. Oh my god! 
All right. Well, any final thoughts, Anthony? No, I mean, I appreciate you bringing me on and sure. keep up the good work. You know, I've been watching your stuff for like 10 years. Literally. Well, well, good. Good. I'm always happy to hear somebody's watching us. You know, the only contact I have with anybody is the comments from the haters. You know, where everybody just mm -hmm. criticizes oh. me for no apparent reason. I used to be I used to be very unhealthy, Mark, and, and I, I got into Elliot Hulse, uh, yourself, and there was one other guy, I forget his name. Um but man, you guys helped me a lot learning the squat and the deadlift and all this stuff, because I wasn't I didn't learn any of that in, in, in college and in high school. Oh no, of course not. It's just not taught anywhere but right here. Uh, yeah. Well, let me, we will bring you to a seminar one of these days and let you see how the sausage is made, so to speak. All right, man, I appreciate your 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 time today, Anthony. Anthony J., Dr. Anthony J. has been our guest. And uh, if you want to get a hold of him, his uh, website, as we just got through saying, is ajconsultingcompany.com. And you can communicate with him through there. And uh, uh, a lot of your questions will be answered on his website. So give that a visit. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate you being here. We'll talk Thanks, again. Mark. Take care. Appreciate it. And thank you guys for being here on Starting Strength Radio. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.